Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Talk Radio, live from Westminster. I think there's a clear warning there. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction, and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. What's next? Order! Talk Radio, live from Westminster. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio, coming to you live from a very damp college green at the start of another week of intrigue and deceit in the mother of all parliaments. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has hot-footed it over to Ireland for a meeting with Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, but no one is expecting much from either man with regards to any news on the Irish backstop, a new deal, or indeed leaving at the end of October. Here's what we know so far. By the close of business tonight, and it's likely to be a late one, we may have a suspended parliament. We may have an extension of that until Thursday, or we may even have the likelihood of a general election. Over the course of the next three hours, we'll be trying to drag the truth out of an entire panoply of MPs, MEPs, pundits, uh, activists and agitators. But of course, we want to hear from you as well. 0344 499 1000 is the number to call us on. Get your calls booked in now because it's going to be a very busy day. Over the course uh, of the next three hours, we will also be trying to work out whether Dominic Cummings has still got control of the clattering train, whether any more cabinet ministers are likely to quit, and whether Jeremy Corbyn is actually going to clarify Labour's position on anything at all. We shall wait and see. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, coming to you live from College Green in Westminster. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio, live from Westminster. Welcome to the Talk Radio tent. We are back live in Westminster because, of course, this is another very, very important day. The most important day since the last most important day, which by my reckoning was probably Thursday. Not Friday, not Saturday, not Sunday. But here we are back again uh, Monday morning. It's raining. The weather is looking pretty dull and pretty ghastly. And it's not going to get any better between now uh, and the end of the close of play. Boris Johnson will come back from Ireland after his press conference with Leo Varadkar. uh, Well, there's a bit of smiling going on, I'd have to say, uh, as we watch it here on the monitors and also of course uh, there will be some smiling no doubt when Boris Johnson gets back to Westminster uh, because he will be once again asking for Parliament to allow him to have a general election they will no doubt once again say no because of course everybody knows the Labour Party don't want to have an election because despite the fact that Boris Johnson is being described as a dictator the worst Prime Minister ever and the man most likely to leave Downing Street after the shortest amount of time in charge of the country he somehow managed to get double digits of a lead over the Labour Party, because that's how useless they are. 0344 499 1000. We're going to start things off this morning. We've got a special guest uh, from the Brexit Party. Lucy Harris is with us, MEP for Yorkshire and the Humber. Lucy, very good morning to you. 
Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, uh, I see you're prepared for the weather. I'm not going to make the mistake that every other interviewer seems to make, uh, which is to focus very much on what you're wearing. Oh, no. We're not going to do that at Talk Radio. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank because, you so Because, you know, we only care about what your policies are. We only exactly. care about what your uh, outlook is on what is going on. Um, Nigel Farage was on the Julie Hartley Brewer show this morning, yep. uh, talking once again, as he has done in the past, about whether uh, the Brexit Party and Boris Johnson can do things for each other. Mm-hmm. There is a sort of... I would say a semi-offer on the table, isn't there, for uh, yeah. if there is a general election, uh, the Brexit Party will, will, will do a deal, as it were, with the Tories. Is there any sign that that's likely to be kind of welcomed, even though the Tories are saying no? Well, we had Sajid Javid on saying, not saying much about it, but, you know, I think it, it just makes sense, and I think it makes sense for the general public. If you look at where we're gaining, we're gaining in areas like Labour areas up north, and, you know, we, we have a really good cross sort of, of look with, with, our, with our look. We've got, you know, that sort of uh, Tory sort of um, in the sticks sort of countryside look. But then again, we've also got this, um, you know, coastal look going on. And I think a lot of people who are Tory voters will be tempted to vote for the Brexit party, which means in those areas where Boris Johnson wants to get seats, uh, where we could frustrate the issues, uh, frustrate those uh, gaining seats in those areas. I think, you know, we're, we're happy to stand down if it means we get a majority to actually push through Brexit. So is the Brexit party kind of election ready, if you like? Because oh, I mean, absolutely. you did very well to do uh, to get so many seats in, uh, in the European elections, yeah. of, which, of which yours was one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's quite difficult to mount a national election campaign. I mean, you must have been working quite hard on it. Oh my gosh! I mean, if you look at a central office, they have going at they've been going absolutely nuts since um, we even thought that there could be a general election, and we've managed to get six hundred, I think, six hundred and fifty candidates, um, all vetted, all ready and prepared for those areas. Um, we've got um, a great ground a ground game, we've got plans, we've got everything in order to launch at any minute. And I think it's really important to reiterate that it, this we're, we're, we're deadly serious. You know, Brexit was voted for, for se- from 17.4 million people. We are deadly serious in getting this through for the general public and we're not going to let down. Also, what's interesting over the weekend, it would appear, despite all the sort of, you know, failings last week, we were told of Boris Johnson's policies, despite the fact that he lost 22 uh, members of his own party, uh, he then lost Amber Rudd over the mm-hmm. weekend. You know, the, the polls are actually showing that the people who voted, well, certainly exactly, yeah, uh, to leave, whether or not for a no deal, but the ones who voted to leave are not abs- absolutely buying this idea that Boris Johnson is doing a bad job. Well, look, the general public wants to see some principles, and he, he's got principles. He's decided to, uh, you know, get rid of 21 of his M- MPs. You know, you have to remember that, um, I think it was, was it John Major who did the same with 11 MPs back when he was trying to get the Maastricht Treaty through? Um, he did exactly the same. So it's not unusual to do this, but the general public want to see somebody with balls, with principles that's going to follow through on what they've promised, and he's doing that. That's why he's gained in the polls and that's why a lot of people across the country are saying let's get on with it and let's have have, have Boris and let's get the Brexit party in team with, with Boris. He's also saying though that he th- believes that he can still get a deal which is not what Nigel Farage wants him to do. Nigel Farage oh. is more or less saying that if, you know the deal if there is to be done over the general election is predicated on a no deal Brexit. Well look I think I think we have to have a no deal on the table just to be able to even have some sort of leverage. And that's precisely what uh, Remainer MPs in, in Parliament have taken away from us. They've taken the ability away to be able to negotiate anything better. 
And if they've taken that away, they've taken the ability away to have, have a deal that's, uh, that's um, any better than we could imagine. And the, the issue is now is uh, there's no majority in the House. There's no majority for anything. We need to be able to manoeuvre our way uh, out of this situation. And the only way to do that is to have a general election. Um, that means that we can actually represent the constituencies across the country with people, um, with MPs that actually represent what we voted for in 2016. And we just don't have that. This really is a parliament versus the people situation. It really is. And you represent the people of Yorkshire and yep. the Humber. Uh, I haven't been up there since the uh, referendum result was uh, was published three years ago. Mm. What, what are people saying up there to you? Well, uh, it's just sheer frustration. Absolute sheer frustration. They feel like they've been forgotten. And I feel like, I feel like even people across the country have this feeling of helplessness. Like, no matter what we do... No matter how hard we play the game, even if we play the game by the rules, and let's be honest, our democracy is something that's been developed over hundreds and hundreds of years, and suddenly they've played by the rules, they've finally won something on their behalf, and whoops, they don't get it. They don't get it because some people in, in Parliament, in privileged positions in the media, in privileged positions in institutions are saying, no, actually, we don't like that, so we're going to change it. And have you been surprised by some of those people, not so much in Parliament, but perhaps elsewhere, <laughs> maybe in the media even, you know, where you've had your own your fair share of run-ins with, uh, with people? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've come from sort of a, a media background in a way. You know, I used to work in the publishing industry um, and I've seen how much, how much bias there is against people who have voted for Brexit. In fact, that's the main reasons I, I got into politics was because I felt that for once we'd played by the rules... And suddenly again, we're being, we're having this pushback. You know, we we played fair, and we're having a pushback. No matter what we do, we can never get our voices heard. Um, and I remember uh, starting up uh, Leavers of London, which was a group for uh, Brexiteers in London who were just ordinary people who went about their daily lives, went to work, um, and they were, you know, sort of almost insulted every day. You know, they'd be at the coffee stand making their nice little cup of coffee, and someone would call them stupid or racist. And I was thinking. We live in a democracy. We are allowed to have a legitimate political view without having a social backlash in society. And that's why I, I thought I'd sort of collect together people who felt the same way as me and actually make our voices heard. There are a lot of people who haven't been able to admit, even to members of their family, mm. uh, that they voted to leave the European Union. There are people who are arguing every night over yeah. the family dinner table about it as well. It has been incredibly divisive, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... It, 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 but it had to happen eventually because there are political divides in our country that were, have been uncovered through Brexit. Um, Brexit was a political renaissance and people are starting to realise that actually they should have a voice uh, and a say in how politics is run in this country. It doesn't belong just to the people in Parliament. And how we're going to do that is that we're going to have a revival of discussion about politics. But how do we do that? And I think... Uh, fundamentally, people are starting to learn how to have that debate again, how to have that discussion without it turning ugly. And I think we're going through a bit of a rocky patch right now with all this division happening. But I think ultimately people are going to start to realise that they have to have some sort of camaraderie when discussing politics. I think there's no doubt that the, the, the Remainers of, of this world are becoming more and more desperate. They're becoming more and more kind of uh, obje objectionable and obnoxious. They're doing their level best uh, to try and make out that, you know, Boris Johnson is a dictator all the while, uh, while he's actually losing votes in the House <laughs> of Commons, uh, outside saying we must take back our democracy. Well, excuse me, there's democracy going on in that building. Even if we don't like what it is that's happening, there is definitely democracy happening. And I'm uh, going to ask you all to... Uh, 
uh, to join in here because uh, we're with Lucy Harris from the Brexit Party. 0344 499 1000 is the number if you want to speak to her. Because what I would say, um, Lucy, is that you know the Brexit Party now is kind of emerging as more than just a one-stop shop, if you mm. like, because Richard Tice at the weekend was writing about uh, doing, doing away with inheritance tax, for example. Yes. Um, the Brexit Party has also talked about a different kind of policy towards student loans, getting yep. them reduced to 0% interest and all of that. So, I mean, are you going to actually have a proper manifesto come a general election, if there is going to be one very shortly? Well, like you said, um, are we prepared? And behind the scenes, there are little hamsters in their hamster cages going absolutely nuts, trying to get this ready and uh, getting all their policies sewed up you know Brexit hamsters Brexit Brexit. interesting uh, hamsters yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's just uh, busy beavering away sorting it all out but no uh, we've got so many policy ideas and something that's very different to us uh, to a lot of the other parties is that we've opened up to our um, to our to our paying uh, members and paying supporters is that we want everybody to have a say in what the policy is in fact I was up in Doncaster just the other day and we had a, a massive hall full of people basically discussing what they'd want to see on the table what they think would work really well in their area and it was just really great to see so many people coming together and actually for once having a say and not leaving it just yeah. to the to the MPs. I mean, one of the problems the Lib Dems have had um, historically is that when they have got quite big, they've always struggled, really, because they've got such a broad church there mm. that so many people believe so many different things. Mm. I wonder if you might have that same problem in as much as, yes, of course, everybody's in the Brexit party wants Brexit, but do they want all the other things mm. that might become party policy? Well, I think it's kind of, we've kind of I mean, how I perceive it is that it, it's the world is changing. And you have sort of that local mentality which sticks towards smaller communities across the UK. Uh, And then you've also got this global mentality. I think if we sort of change tact and change minds about this and start thinking of it in lines of what's happening locally and what people want locally and how to keep it a a, a nice, close community, then if we base policy around building the community up like that and not just focusing on global mega cities, then I I think we're actually going to have something that looks a bit more fair in in society. And I think if we base policy around that, around the family, around traditional values, we're going to start seeing uh, people shift, uh, I think, a lot more to the true lines of what's happening currently in in the global situation. And people talk an awful lot as well about the fact that Westminster has dominated politics and political life in this country, that London, as a result, Mm -hmm. has dominated political life. Are you one of those who thinks we should change the system in as much as the two-party system doesn't work anymore? We should get more proportional representation. Funnily enough, the Green Party, um, you know, had 1.1 million votes, I think, in the last election Mm. and only got one seat. You know, the SNP got the same number of votes and ended up with over 50 seats. You know, there's an awful lot of anomalies that could be changed, which might help parties like your own. Yeah, I think it's a symptom. I think it's definitely a symptom of an unfair system for smaller parties with uh, diverse thoughts and opinions that can't really get through and can't really get a hearing in Parliament. Um, I mean, I'm I'm originally from the sticks. I'm from Suffolk, which is you know yeah, that really is the sticks. That really is the sticks. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I'm rooting for there, and I, I think a lot of people down there as well feel that they they've sort of been. Uh, rejected from this, um, you know. I mean, nobody even stops there on the way up to Scotland. I mean, it's literally out there <laughs> on the out, out of reaches, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I always call it the bum because if you imagine <laughs> like um, the UK sitting down, the shape of the UK sitting down driving a car, yeah. it's sort of like the bum. Yes, I see that. Yeah, I okay, that. that's how I always describe that it. That means the steering wheel somewhere in Manchester, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I think there has to be a lot more, um, I think it has to be spread out a lot more. I, 
I want to see um, people in London actually considering uh, a different sort of culture that is uh, outside of London, outside of the M25. Um, and I'm, I, I think if they were to be a bit patient and a bit more curious and really look into why we why we are the way we are outside of London, then perhaps they might get a handle on what the hell is happening with Brexit. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> Lucy Harris, we're talking to, uh, she's an MEP from uh, Yorkshire and the Humber, of course. If you want to talk to her, this is the one place to do it. 0344 <laughs> 499 1000 is the number. And a couple of questions for you, but you don't have to answer these specific questions. <laughs> Would you vote for the Brexit Party uh, as a tactical vote? Would you vote for the Brexit Party to help Boris Johnson win Brexit uh, in the first instance? And secondly, you know, do you think the Brexit party needs to be a bit more open, a bit more transparent, or uh, are you quite happy with the way everything is going? Let's forget about Boris Johnson for the moment. Let's talk about the Brexit party. Let's talk about Nigel Farage and the effect he has had on this country and the politics of this country over the course of the last several years. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio, live from Westminster. Of course, we will take your calls as well. 0344 499 1000 is the number uh, we need you to get in touch with us on because we are the only place where you will hear the unvarnished truth. And to help us along with that, John Mann, uh, MP for Bassett Law. And I say MP, John, because uh, I'm not sure whether you're a Labour MP, an independent MP, a soon-to-be ex-MP. Tell us what you did over the weekend. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm about to be an ex-Labour MP. I'm about to stand down from the House of Commons and take up a role, a major role, as the advisor across government on anti-Semitism to try and make a different contribution to society on one of our modern-day scourges, which, of course, listeners well know, led to the Second World War and the murder of many millions of people. Mm. So I'm doing a major role, an important one, and regretfully, therefore, I have to leave Parliament, though, in addition, Mike, it's no regret leaving the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn in uh, Parliament under the Parliamentary Labour Party because I would not have been prepared anyway to stand in front of my voters and lie to them when they say, well, John, uh, we're like you, we're going to thinking of voting for you, but that means voting for Jeremy Corbyn as well. Well, I'm not going to lie to them and say I think that that man would be a suitable good Prime Minister because I don't. I've never lied to my voters. I won't be lying to them now, so I'm standing down and I'll not be a candidate at the election. And if uh, they don't bother calling an election, I'll be going anyway. I'll not be uh, staying through this pantomime. Well, it seems as though... In whether, Parliament, whether or not, much longer. No, quite. And you were here with us last week and you said very clearly that you didn't think Jeremy Corbyn should be leader of the Labour Party and you also said that you, you told him that yourself. Um, I have again this weekend, rather strongly... In a letter to him. Have you? And his response to you was what, exactly? He <laughs> never responds. He doesn't respond? I mean, you know, if he, uh, if he had the interest of the Labour Party, everybody knows that if he stood down and a decent leader came in, Labour would be rocketing in the polls. In fact, would be unreachable in the polls. It would probably be a bigger majority than under Tony Blair. Uh, but um, that's not the case. And uh, the people out there don't like him. They don't trust him. And uh, with good cause. Mm. It seems extraordinary. So what brought you to... You've obviously been thinking about this for a while. Um, you didn't just presumably make this decision over the course of the last few days. Was there any one particular thing um, that kind of sort of sealed it for you? Well, I mean, it's not, it's not just his lack of leadership on Brexit and uh, his overturning of the manifesto we stood on. That's 
electoral suicide for the Labour Party. He's incredibly stupid to do that. It's not the fact that he's turned down an election. He's incredibly stupid from his own point of view to do that. The longer he drags that on, the worse for Labour electorate. It's not those two. Two reasons. One is he's an enabler of the anti-Semitism that's grown in this country. He's the enabler of it. He's calculatedly, deliberately refused to act. Despite the pleas, despite the arguments, despite what's going on, despite the threats to his own MPs, despite the horrendous stuff that Jewish MPs, in particular Jewish Labour MPs, have received day in, day out, he's not acted, he's not a leader. And secondly, this stuff hasn't come out and uh, uh, the details shouldn't come out. But I can tell you for a fact, on a number of occasions, he has failed to act on issues of sexual harassment and worse. Indeed, when he has, he's acted on the side of those who have been accused rather than those who are making the allegations. And for me, that's that's beyond acceptability in any way. And I've been personally involved in some of those cases. Uh, he should be ashamed that's of a his fairly, action. Um, that's a fairly damning indictment of Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. It's an accurate leadership. one. I don't doubt that it is, but it makes him out to be a kind of um, politburo type, somebody who is more concerned with the health of the party and the, the the way forward for the party rather than anybody who wishes to do harm to the party. It always used to be said about him in the old days. You know, the only reason he wasn't an active Trotsky is because he was too born idle to sell newspapers on street corners. Um, and the only reason he was an active communist was he wouldn't turn up to the meetings. Um, he's a combination of both. He's a... Uh, you know, for areas like mine, he's, uh, people are puzzled at his politics. If they knew more about it, they would be even more puzzled and horrified. Um, but, you know, he has no leadership qualities whatsoever. My message to him, do the decent thing, Corbyn, resign. Let's have a decent Labour leader in. And then maybe a proper election would be held. But it doesn't look as though today is going to be the day that uh, Boris Johnson gets his election, does it? Well, no, Corbyn's running scared. I mean, and the irony is... Obviously, Boris Johnson's becoming a little bit of a prisoner of Parliament. That's a fact, because he's got a minority, and the majority of Remainers are trying to exert their their power and and, and are doing. Uh, certainly not over. Prime Minister's got a lot of cards to play, and I think they're overplaying the hand of the Remainers. But they've also cornered Corbyn. He ain't got a clue what to do. He's becoming irrelevant to it. And uh, the danger for him is that... Uh, Someone like Joe Swinson ends up being seen as the leader of the opposition um, and, and in an election. The longer this drags on, the more irrelevant Corbyn. And any, any, anyone who was anything about elect, elections would have said, go now, go now, Corbyn, it's your best chance. Well, I've always referred to Ian Blackford as the real leader of the opposition because whenever Prime Minister's questions was on with Theresa May and even now with Boris Johnson, the real sort of damaging questions and the real probing questions are actually asked by the leader of the SNP, not by the leader of the Labour Party. Well, that's one of Boris's conundrums because it, it looks to me like, as things stand, that the SNP will pick up seats in Scotland. That's what the polls are saying. Mm. I think those polls, I mean, things can change, but certainly election today they'd be picking up seats off Labour and the Tories in Scotland. Uh, so uh, uh, the Conservative Party's got quite a difficult task ahead in in, in dealing with that. Um, but uh, the general public generally wants bold leadership. And uh, let's see what he comes up with in Ireland, if and, anything. Well, indeed. And in your, uh, your own case in Bassett Law, um, would you expect Labour to hold that 
if you leave, uh, well, you are leaving, and it's not if. Uh, would you expect Labour to hold that, or is there a Brexit party danger there, or is there a Lib Dem danger there? No, there's no Lib Dem danger <laughs> at all. Um, uh, one councillor uh, uh, and you know, a handful of votes. Uh, the in the in reality, the election will be determined by whether the Brexit party takes lots of votes off the Conservative Party. Uh, Farage could be the man who enables Corbyn. Uh, that's what Johnson's saying. But, for, you know, looking, any analyst would say, well, that's that's true. Uh, people in my area are loyal to Labour. That, it's like this. It's what my grandma used to tell me when I was a kid. She'd say, well, I'd vote for a donkey with a red rosette on. Will people, because they have the opportunity now, well, that's a very good question. And when do you take up your new role as um, sort of uh, anti-Semitism czar? I know you probably don't like that word czar, but... Uh, oh, czar's not... I mean, czar's probably... Right, that's my, not my term. It's not Newspaper shorthand. Yeah, it's newspaper shorthand. I'm, I'm, uh, perhaps Downing Street can come up with a better title. Independent advisor is the official title. Uh, well, uh, I mean, Boris is busy on other things, obviously, mm. number 10. But my first engagement will be at end of September, a major one with the Germans and the Americans. Um, so the three governments coming together and uh, trying to come up with an effective strategy internationally for dealing with anti-Semitism. From then on, I ten- intend to do it full-time. Would you go down, just as a matter of interest, and uh, you may not have given this much thought, would you go down the French line where they make anti-Semitism actually uh, illegal, effectively, that uh, there's a much more stringent kind of legislative body of work which stops people from being anti-Semitic because it doesn't really work in France, does it? No, I think I think I don't think that 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 kind of law would improve things. I think we should be looking though at the the internet has got a competitive advantage against the print and broadcast media um, without any liability for what goes on the internet. I think that's an area for the law. If we could get, you know, if 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 if, if you have some anti-Semite, racist, um, and, and, and you give them free run here. There's things I could do about it to hold mm. you to account and say, come on, talk radio, this is out of order. You've not challenged this person, etc." Right. We'd get, we'd give there you, are regulations we'd, as we'd, well. Yeah, we'd give you a good skinning on that if yeah. that happened. With the internet companies, we can't. That, that is unfair competition. Um, and radio, television, newspapers um, are, are losing out because of that because anything goes on the internet. So I think we can equalise the law. So that is a priority. But any other legal change, no. This is about good system. It's about calling it out and ensuring that those who allow anti-Semitism, be it in political parties, be it in universities, be it anywhere else, that we hold them to account. And I'll be doing that. Mm. Well, we'll look forward to that. John, thank you very much indeed. John Mann, uh, a Labour MP for the moment for Bassett Law, uh, soon to be the uh, anti-Semitism consultant, if you like, Uh, an advisor to the government, uh, but certainly a man who does not believe Jeremy Corbyn should not only not be running the Labour Party, uh, but thinks there should be also some other investigations perhaps as well. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction, and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. I think there's a clear warning there. Talk radio, live from Westminster. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green in Westminster. We're here all day. Matthew Wright picking up the uh, baton from one o'clock, of course. Uh, Boris Johnson's on his way back from Ireland, uh, where he met Leo Varadkar this morning without, I think, too much to report that was of any great note. More important, perhaps, was the news from Downing Street uh, that Parliament will indeed be prorogued tonight after the session ends, uh, no doubt after uh, the passing of the Hillary Benn bill, which will go for royal assent, which will instruct the Prime Minister uh, to go back to Brussels to try and get a better deal, uh, or indeed to get an extension of some kind to Article 50. We're joined now by Drew Hendry, uh, SNP business spokesman, of course. Drew, very good morning to you. Welcome good morning. back. Oh, afternoon, I should say. Time well, has flown indeed. already. Um, so, um, par- Parliament is prorogued tonight. Um, what are you all going to do for a month? Uh, so well, you're not back till October the 14th, right? Well, obviously, it's still a legal challenge in the courts, uh, so Parliament could be uh, recalled at any time. But uh, Is that the well, Gina Miller one, you mean? Uh, yeah, well, there's uh, there's a couple. There's a, an appeal in the court session in Scotland, and there's a Gina Miller one. So the ones that have been both turned down so far. Uh, well, but they're still in the courts at the moment, so anything could happen. And if that's the case, we'll be back here. But mm-hmm. I'll be out. Uh, in my constituency, I'll be speaking to constituents and we'll see what happens. I wouldn't rule anything out over this uh, period that's coming up. And what about uh, what's going to happen this afternoon? Because presumably the first order of business is to get the second reading done of the mm-hmm. Hillary Benn bill, get that passed, which one would expect will be easily voted yeah, I believe through. It will, it will um, pass, yeah. Is that going to be tonight or this afternoon? Do you that think? should be this afternoon, I would think. Okay, yeah. and then it goes for royal assent. There's a lot of conversations going on around um, the Westminster bubble about whether you know the Queen's too busy to sign it before Parliament is prorogued. I mean, do you do you suspect there will be any kind of weird machinations around that, or do you think it will just all go through as well, uh, expected? It, it would be extraordinary if there were any uh, it would. further gaming tried today to, not, uh, but, to stop it going but through. But the funny thing about extraordinary yeah. is that yeah. we've, d- well, we've done quite a few times, of extraordinary, yeah. haven't we? Uh, absolutely, we're in extraordinary times. Mm. But um, I think it would be beyond the pale for uh, that to be interfered with any any uh, in any way today. I don't think it will do. I think it will go through. 
uh, it will gain royal assent and it will become the law and then Boris Johnson will have to abide by that law. Yes. So as far as I know, and unless you give me an earlier date, the next time the Gina Miller case is looked upon by the Supreme Court, I think is the 17th of September. Uh, I don't know whether the one in Edinburgh is going to be seen before that as far as an appeal goes. Certainly, the Parliament will be shut down tonight for a considerable period of time, minimum, you would say, at least 10 days, possibly, mm-hmm. um, possibly uh, until October the 14th. I mean, it seems to me that Boris has won this particular battle. Uh, well, he's, he's, like I say, he's going to be bound by the law that's going through today, so I don't think that's winning. He's also not getting his way that uh, so he can take executive power to change dates and move things around so that he can take us over the 31st of October by default. Uh, we're not allowing him to do that, so I don't see in which way he's winning. Every uh, move he's made in Parliament, he's lost. He's a 100% right. loser in so Parliament. Now, so now. that's why he shut it, so that you can't do well, that. Well, that's, that's his plan, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. presumably he must, to make, he must have a part two to the plan. Well, I, I dare say they're scheming uh, to try and do something to thwart parliamentary democracy as we speak, but uh, what that is, I'm not inside them. I'm glad I'm think, not inside um, the minds of the people trying to uh, Do you think uh, parliamentary this? democracy is more important than the, the democracy of the people who voted to leave the European Union? Well, you know, we are in a representative democracy and Parliament's supposed to be the ones that make the laws. If those laws are made, then those laws should be obeyed and it doesn't matter who you are. The Prime Minister's got a duty to obey the law. I think it's unconscionable that he's talking about not doing that and that government ministers are egging him on. What kind of signal does that say to everybody else in the country about whether or not we obey laws? I think well, we've, heard all, we've, heard, we've heard all that for a few days yep. now, but I mean, nobody's suggesting anything other than um, Boris Johnson is saying some things which he may or may not mean. Some people tell me all the time that Boris Johnson says things all the time that he doesn't mean. Why are you getting so hung up on something that he said that he may not mean? Well, a prime minister saying that he might not obey the law, he's the prime minister, he's the head of government. And for the head of government to say they might not obey the law is a terrible signal to send out. What is that? If he, if he may not obey the law, then who else may not obey the law? It's uh, just a terrible signal to send out. Well, there's a lot across, of terrible signals being sent out. It's a pretty terrible UK. signal to send out to say that we are a representative democracy, except for when we give uh, the right of the people to have a referendum, uh, which should then be, yeah. um, you know, put in everybody's manifesto that they will honour the result of the, manif- of the of that referendum, well, and then not. What sort of signal does that send? Well, we've seen we've seen many attempts to try to make sure that uh, people are respected, particularly from Scotland, which voted 62% overwhelmingly to remain in the EU. We saw the Scottish government put forward a compromise paper to this government, which was completely ignored. We've seen Scottish Parliament and uh, all of the parties there accept the Tories saying they don't want to be in this situation and that's been completely ignored. In Westminster we're supposed to be in a representative democracy. Well, why won't you, you have an election then? Sorry? Why won't you have an election? Well we will have an election just as soon as we possibly ah. can but what we can't do. <laughs> well no you're not. Well, it's not no, as soon as you can. As soon can. as we possibly you can. You can have one as soon as if you, you can. If you let me finish. Uh, I will let, let you finish, finish but yep. if you're going to use words which yep. don't mean what they no, actually no, say. No, I possibly as can, soon as you possibly can would be to agree to an election today. No as soon as we possibly can that we know that Boris Johnson is not going to game the system and try and make sure that we crash out of the EU on the 31st of October without a deal and all the attendant social and economic chaos that would bring in its wake. Right, so but it's all right so to, up, to uphold so as democracy. Soon as that's safe, no, so as soon it's all right to uphold safe, democracy when it suits you, but soon, not when it doesn't. No, no, this is this is a, this is the democratic principles that, that oh, are right. being upheld in the, the UK you Parliament You can't defend it. it. You know you can't, no, look, I, I'm, You know you cannot I'm in defend. A rare breed. I'm in a rare breed of people who have come into this job in order to, in the long term, lose my job because I don't believe in the Westminster well, you're going the right way about but it. it. But I find myself having to defend this Westminster parliamentary uh, setup because that is the way the law is written in this this UK 
at the moment. And if that's the well, case, the then I have to be that. I have to be that, and so does the Prime Minister. Well, he does, except if he can find a way around it. And as you know, well, there are plenty of lawyers. That, Mike, well, there are, well, uh, no, you find well, a way you, around the law. Yeah. I mean, what no, that's, what that's, do you think lawyers do? But, but, no, what do you, you think lawyers do? Somebody in the street, is, it's okay for them to try and find a way around yes, the law. Yes, that's why you hire lawyers. That, I, I think that's a terrible comment to make, do you? Mike. Yeah, I don't so what do you think all these lawyers who are trying to uh, law, launch lawsuits against the government, who keep getting them but, thrown out of... But there's um, a difference hang between on, challenging the law... finish, please. Well... You find a way around yep. the law, you challenge the law, and yep. then you can yep. find a way around it. But People so- do it every day. I'm sorry, I think there's a difference between challenging the law and taking things to the court or whatever. You know, you can have a different opinion, but actually breaking every the law le- every and legal f- trying to find a way to yeah. break the law no, is not... No, I didn't say break the law. Well, I said you can find a way around the law, well, which is very different. Well, if you're in, in a case, court of law, yeah. you would know there was a difference between those two things. The bottom line is, case, is that everybody is yeah. trying to find a way around Brexit. Everybody is trying to find a way around the referendum result, and everybody is trying to find a way of explaining away how you are denying democracy. What you're doing a good job no, of no, it, by what, the way, yeah. but you're finding, a way, you're finding a way around yeah. democracy, which is no more disgusting and disgraceful than trying to find a way around the law. What the opposition groups in the parliament at the moment are trying to find a way to avoid a no-deal break. It's not getting... But no, that's not getting round anything. It's trying to avoid the social and economic harm that will be brought by Brexit. Nobody is above the law. The Prime Minister is not above the law. And he shouldn't be looking to break the law or indeed find ways around the law. But your, your, right your party is standing up uh, and has done for uh, most of its existence against uh, leaving the European Union. You don't want to leave the European Union, no, Of course we don't. Yeah. So you're trying to find a way around well, yeah, getting I mean, out of it. Listen, you've that's asked me this many times. Well, you, 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 know you, know you, you know I want Scotland to remain in the EU. Yeah. I think it would be the best thing. Uh, you disagree? I think it would be the best thing for the UK, the rest of the UK as well. I don't but, really have a view, but, but, actually, believe it or not, on whether it would be good or bad. What I have a view on is that mm. when the people voted to do something, you should take that vote well, nobody, as you said you would and enact it. Nobody's respected the vote in Scotland. Nobody's revote, uh, respected the 62%. And opinion polls show that figures hardened since then for remaining in the EU. Nobody's well, respected not the Scottish government. Nobody's respected well, the Scotland's Scottish part of the United Kingdom. Well, you might as well say well, London. Tell you you might as well say London gets to leave uh, <laughs> outside, yeah. gets to, gets to stay but in the European Union. Doesn't it tell you? Doesn't lives. it tell you everything about the state of affairs here, where Scotland now needs to have a choice about its future, so it's not ignored by this place? Well, more people voted to leave the European Union in Scotland than voted for Scottish independence. Well, so I'm not sure you're on the well, right we'll track. Well, we'll see. There. Let's let's give them a choice now, and we'll see what the result the will be, Mike. One. Okay. As ever, Drew, I appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed. The fallout, the fury, the future. Let's get political. Order. Talk radio, live from Westminster. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on the Talk Radio. We are here in the tent. The rain is beginning to pour down. Side. Uh, it's a bit of a grim day uh, for democracy, some people would say. Uh, I say it's a great day for democracy because Boris Johnson, uh, having got fed up uh, with all the Ramonas, all of the uh, blockers, uh, all of the Remainers who want to stay in the European Union and stop uh, the government and the people from leaving it, uh, have now been sort of stymied because he's decided to prorogue Parliament uh, from the end of the session tonight. He's coming back from Ireland. Uh, there will be a vote on the Hillary Benn bill, uh, which takes power away from Boris Johnson, but he will then close Parliament down, uh, which Joined now, I'm delighted to say, by Colonel Bob Stewart, uh, a very uh, frequent visitor to the tent here down in Westminster. Bob, a very good uh, afternoon to you and welcome in this terrible weather. Um, Are you in favour of what Boris has done and does it put him on the front foot again tonight? I don't think anyone's on the front foot, frankly, at the moment. 
where no one can really, honestly, Mike, say what's going to happen. Except I firmly believe that we'll be leaving on the 31st of October. I actually believe we'll be leaving with a deal because it's not in the interests of anyone to leave without. And I think that deal will be a version of Mrs. May's deal, cut, a, cut around a bit, with the backstop put into the implementation period. I could live with that. I just want us out now so we can get on with life. That's what the people asked for. That's what Parliament promised them. And, you know, all the people say, well, you know, it's not democracy. Actually, because Parliament was so cowardly as not to make it the decision itself, it said, we'll give the decision to the people. And you remember everyone said, whatever the people say, we'll carry out. Yeah. So, and then that at the last election, 2017, the major parties promised to carry it out. And then we passed Article 50, promising to carry it out. So let's carry it out, and then let's get our country sorted out again so that we can actually deal with things that matter as well as Brexit. And if, for example, during the period between now and October the 14th, um, some kind of deal is hammered out that we maybe don't know about but becomes clear later on, um, does that save the, 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 the Tory sort of majority, if you like? Because the problem you're going to have again, surely if you go with a deal which is not that dissimilar from Theresa May's, is you may get the ERG group in your party who say, well, we're not, uh, we're not signing up to that. Well, I think that would be daft, to be honest. I think, that, you know, um, I voted nation of Mrs. May's deal simply for the following reason. So did I didn't Boris, like I think, it. didn't he? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. I was thinking, the, the analogy is, um, unless this train leaves the station, it's not going to get moving. And that, that was, it wasn't satisfactory to me, it, you know. But I actually want us to have a deal. I want everyone in Parliament to agree a deal, and I want us to take that to the European Union and get it through. And the big advantage to the European Union, let us not forget... Um, if they get, if we, the encouragement for them to get a deal is that they will uh, get 39 billion without question. I'm um, personally, I don't particularly like that, but I'm prepared to to take that. Penalty it's quite a lot in, of money, isn't it? Well, it's it's one one third of the um, European Union's budget yeah. for a year. It's actually much more than the defence budget of this country. It's one hell of a lot of money. I mean, re remember at the moment. I mean, uh, Boris and others are saying we're giving the European Union a billion a month. I don't know whether that's absolutely... Uh, I haven't checked that. But what I have checked is how much we give a week in my calculation, which is 19.2 billion, which is the annual thing. Take away 5 billion, the Thatcher rebate. Take away another 5 billion that they send back to this country. So we're down to 9.2 billion. If you divide 9.2 billion a year by 52, you get about 175 million, which is a week. And 175 million a week is actually effectively... Um, giving the European Union the cost of building my general hospital near my constituency. So we're giving 52 general hospitals a week, a year, to the European Union. And what are they doing with the money? Does anybody know? Because nobody ever seems to ask that question. Well, uh, in fairness, I, I don't have in principle uh, a problem with a lot of what the European Union do, but we don't actually have much say in it. No. And that that, that is it. I mean, if it was doing real, real good, but I mean, stupidities like subsidizing tobacco farmers in southern Europe mm. and then actually spending 10 billion euros on a anti-smoking campaign that, that that's that that's dark doesn't make sense does it doesn't make sense i mean also all these people that pop up to make statements i mean they've got more people in brussels than they have at the bbc coming out that you've never seen before um with some kind of you know statement of intent or recognition of something that's happened there or some kind of reaction to um you know a british statement uh, of intent it's an extraordinary organization that we know so little about most people who voted to leave the european union i would i would guarantee you have no clue as to how it works. 
No, I mean, I have. And that's so one of the I reasons worked, they lived worked in Brussels for five years with, with NATO. With NATO, yeah. I mean, I, my honest opinion as a military officer, looking at, at, at from outside when I was a military officer, I thought it took ten people to do, to make, uh, to do one man or mm. one woman's job. And it, it was, uh, they, they made decisions at the speed of a striking, flipping slug. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the whole thing cost a fortune. Yeah. And you look at the sort of city that's grown up in Brussels. Yeah. And then and look Strasbourg. at the amount of salary people are getting. That's and then look I mean. at the fact that when they actually retire, their pension doesn't seem to be taxable. Your pension's taxable. It is. My te- pension's taxable. People listening to this program's pension's taxable. But you come back from Brussels having been an MEP or a member of the European Union bureaucracy, you come to this country and it's untaxable. And by the way, it's quite good. I bet it is. What about um, the Northern Ireland backstop? Because we saw Boris in Brussels, this, uh, sorry, in Dublin this morning with Leo Varadkar. Uh, we've also seen Nikki Morgan writing the mail today saying that she believes that there are alternative arrangements. In, well, that's in changed. Well, um, <laughs> that's someone that's changed the view. <laughs> well, indeed. <laughs> I mean, well, she may be the next one to go after you know, a, a I great mean, defection uh, of Amber No, Rudd. I mean, I've always said, the, the, you know, the, the, look, I was a major in 1981. 82 in Northern Ireland. For those two years, I commanded every fourth month the Ochnacloy permanent vehicle checkpoint on the border. I know what a flipping hard border is. Most of these guys don't know what a hard border is. They don't even know what a soft border is, no. but I've operated a hard border. There is absolutely no reason why with um, pre-registration, various other documentation... Um, and people technology, can, right? Well, technology comes into it, but, but you... You know, vehicle recognition number, VRN stuff. Mm. You know, it's called vehicle recognition number plates or something, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it, it can all be done. And I just think um, we are actually making a rod for our own back. The people in Northern Ireland don't want a border. We don't want a border. The, Southern, the Irish Republic doesn't want a border. Um, and it can be done. And I visited Would you need to put borders. a border, say, in Holyhead or somewhere like that? Where apparently there isn't one now, which makes me even more incredulous that our borders are so badly protected. Because it means that basically anybody who wants to come into this country flies into Dublin, gets into a car and drives into Britain. That's well, the way it is at the moment. W- well, I think actually uh, you'll find that uh, our security services aren't naive. And um, I mean, Yeah, but what I mean is you're stopped at, uh, at Calais, you won't you're stopped, stopped at Dover. They'll know. Honestly, I have a real... I don't doubt, I know that that's your area of expertise, and I don't doubt it, but but I was slightly shocked to discover that there is absolutely no kind of border of any kind when you come from Dublin all the way through to Britain. There is nowhere, there's nobody stopping anybody. Really? Well, I'm quite surprised. I was quite surprised. surprised. But, I mean, the the fact of the matter is someone kind of checks you when you're going to Northern Ireland. Yes, but what I'm saying, I suppose what I'm saying partly, and I know that people would argue, well, that's because you're in the European Union, Mm. you don't need a border, but the point is, is that you know, for the purposes of security, for the purposes of of, uh, uh, of just policing, you would have thought there would be somebody watching people coming in, which there apparently isn't. I think I'll let you into a secret. There is. I'm quite sure there is. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, the, having done it, you don't. There's somebody somewhere. Is what so you're there is somebody. Well, now you're making me feel safer in my home. My you, home. You should be safer. I do feel you know, safer. I mean, um, frankly, you should be much safer. Okay. You should be safer in the thought that I'm a member of Parliament, and if I see something wrong, I say <laughs> it was wrong. I know you do. I know you're one of the good guys. I'm it? very, very, very good. I can't. I'm very, very good. Now, what else in the <laughs> Theresa May agreement do you think is going to be a problem, though? Because if 
Boris fishing. Johnson said that fishing will be a problem. If Boris yeah. Johnson said that the Theresa May bill was basically dead, that deal was dead, um, you're now saying to me that the one that he may get will be not that much different. How is he going to well, change it's not Her deal the is arithmetic. the whole package, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there have been a hell of a lot of sensible things done in May's deal, and those sensible things should be taken, and we shouldn't need to argue about those. But let us actually have a look at the things. I mean, I think that what will happen, pragma pragmatism will take over. I've done borders. When things change and you don't know quite what's, what's going on, and you're at the border, say, like I have been, and you're not quite sure of the rules, uh, the change in the rules, you just continue doing the same thing till some guy comes along and says, um, you're not doing that anymore, and that's the way forward. And in the same way with all these things, let us do it that way. Let's be pragmatic about it. Um, if we have, I don't want a no deal, but if we do have a no deal, Life is not going to end, you no, know. No, of course not. This country will continue. The sun will come up and the sun will go down. And this and country rain a bit. will will survive. I mean, people say this is the worst thing that's happened. Well, can you cast your mind back to history and 1940? The yeah. worst thing was someone was threatening to come into this country and turn us all into Nazis. Mm. I know. And people say... Uh, I put out, a, funny enough, a tweet um, mm. not that long ago of a, of a picture of a London street. I think it was mm. somewhere like in the East End. Just completely, you know, destroyed in the mm. Blitz. And and I just I just wrote, you know, people say we won't be able to recover from Brexit. Yeah. Because you would you would not know now that if you went to the East End of London that it was almost completely Super destroyed by German bombing. And the courage of the... Well, you know, I personally, I think the courage is still there. We just got a bit softer. Yes. Um, the, the, you know, the courage isn't something that... Uh, you can squash out of people, but uh, you just get a bit physically softer. And yes. I'm pretty soft now. Well, let me ask you a question about that, finally. Uh, are you worried that Boris Johnson's turning, as Philip Hammond says, the Tory party, into a right-wing faction? No, because sense... The one thing about the Conservative Party, which has made it the most successful party in history, is it's pragmatic, and it actually talks sense. It may go the weird route to sense I mean let's face it what's going on behind us in this faulty towers place behind here it is madness I hope you notice my tie this is my parliamentary tie I here. didn't know there was such okay a thing. there is I've, I've just designed it it's a sort of clown it's a clown on a, on a unicycle <laughs> with a hoop around it and juggling and that's sort of and the clown is representative in my view of Parliament who sort of and the whole lot can collapse or not. And frankly, I am an optimist. The water in the bottle is more than half filled. And I want us to leave the European Union with a deal. And I think we're going to get it. And we're going to get it from Johnson. I think we are as well. The trouble with your parliamentary analogy is we have to pay to watch it. But that's another thing. Uh, Rob, <laughs> I'll bring back to you later. <laughs> Colonel Bob Stewart, thank you as ever uh, for joining us in the tent. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.